0: The Breitbart News Daily Podcast. A little best of the show. It's three hours on SiriusXM Patriot. But we give you the opening segment and then uh, our guests just give a little taste of what we do. So this weekend, there was an eight-hour candidate forum hosted by Tucker Carlson. And there were some really great moments. And we run through, on this first segment, we run through uh, the guys who are polling uh, low. And then we get to, the next segment, we get to uh, Ron DeSantis and then a little bit of Trump. Trump didn't go to this forum, though. But we played some Trump later in the show uh, when he was at a, the Turning Point conference in Florida. But in this opening segment, there's uh, some Mike Pence, some Vivek, some Asa Hutchinson. And even if you don't care about any of those people, there are some interesting principles that we need to talk about as conservatives and as uh, a, a member of the Republican Party as our primaries are coming up here. Enjoy. spend a good amount of time on this. Let's just sit here for a while. Again, this is one of the best things about Serious X and Patriot is we're in no rush. We're in no rush. We can take our time and and listen to things and think about things. There was a candidate forum this weekend hosted by Tucker Carlson who was awesome at it, of course. Uh, and then on and then yesterday I think he spoke down in Florida at the Turning Point Action whatever And uh, he came out to rousing applause, and he said, oh, usually an unemployed man doesn't get that much applause, so thank you. And at this forum, he was talking, it was one candidate at a time. And he did not suffer fools gladly. He did great. So this is in no particular order. Let's start with Mike Pence. Such an interesting campaign because, you know, former VP going against the former P. He's going against... Is for us. So, so i How how hard is he going to go against Trump as this campaign progresses? If he is in the campaign for much longer, how hard will he go? Will he? Is he going to tell a bunch of stories about what a horrible man Donald Trump is? Is he going like he's the guy? He was there. In, he like is he going to say you guys should have seen him in the Situation Room? He was a maniac. He is awful. Or is he going to be Mike Pence and play it straight and say, like, "Oh, I disagreed on some things and I disagreed on others," and just with like the cadence that he always has. And I don't, I don't know what Mike Pence's play is here. Usually, campaigns like Mike Pence's are—they're just running, they're, they're gunning for the VP slot. But he already was the VP, and he's not getting it from Trump he's not going to be trump's vp again uh, all right so here's uh, our first clip we got a bunch today
1: let me say one thing but, about but joe I'm and sorry. i say one thing about joe biden on this okay. and i've been critical of him look our administration came in and the obama biden administration had refused to give military support and resources to ukraine we ended that we started providing javelin missiles i'll never forget standing in the woods a couple of weeks ago in a little town called mosha where uh The soldier told me about when the Russian tanks approached and how many soldiers they lost in the first 24 hours. And then the colonel looked at me and smiled and said, and then the Javelin missiles arrived. And I said, we sent you those Javelin missiles. And he said, yes, sir, you did. I mean, we provided arms to Ukraine so they would be better equipped for this moment.
2: But, but we asked a question, came, I'm sorry, I'm Joe sorry.
1: Biden I, cut off military spending when he came in, and even after that heartless, unprovoked invasion, which Joe Biden actually said, we don't know what we'd do if it was a small invasion, I mean, he signaled incredible weakness, especially after that disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan. And all along the way, the Biden administration has been slow in providing military support. Make no mistake about this. We promised them 33 Abrams tanks in January. I heard again two weeks ago in Ukraine, they still don't have them. We've been telling them we'll train their F-16 pilots, but now they're saying maybe
2: January we'll let somebody transfer some jets. I'm sorry, Mr. Vice President, have you, I know you're running for president.
1: And as President of the United States, we're gonna restore law and order in our cities, we're gonna secure our border, we're gonna get this economy moving again, and we're gonna make sure that we have men and women on our courts at every level that will stand for the right to life and defend all the God-given liberties enshrined in our Constitution. Anybody that says that we can't be the leader of the free world and solve our problems at home has a pretty small view of the greatest nation on Earth. We can do both. And as president of the United States, we will secure our border. We will support our military. We will revive our economy and stand by our values. And we will also lead the world for freedom under my administration.
0: that's so a stump speech response there. That's in every one of his stump speeches that whole spiel. There's a, there's a disconnect between Pence and people. Uh, And really, I should say, there's a disconnect between any politician and people when you're asked a question and you immediately go into Trump, into into stump speech mode like this under my administration. And there's no, it's not, it doesn't come across as authentic. He also would need to clarify today what he means by that's not my concern. When uh, Tucker talked about the state of our cities in, in America, our cities in America, and he said that's not my concern. I don't quite know what that means. But his argument is that we can do both. We can fight wars abroad and we can improve life here at home. And I think a a quick or deep study of history shows countless examples of empires growing too big. Too big for them to handle. And then either being cut back down to size or completely wiped off the face of the map forever. One of the problems is when you expand too far, you often become weaker at home. Maybe when you are strong, you can expand easily and things seem like they're going well and they can go forever. But then if you get weaker, it's harder and harder to support and you end up becoming, well, no longer an empire. The American empire will fall. They all have. But I think one way to hasten our demise is to get involved in every territorial dispute around the world. And I get the argument, oh, if, if we let Russia get stronger, then they will be more of a threat to us. Yeah, I get it. But I I, I I side on, we need to take care of home first, and we're nowhere near doing any of that. And it seems like the audience agrees more with Tucker's stance, just based on the applause. But listen, that's why primaries are good. Where do you stand? That's why we have a primary. Do we need to be engaged around the world in, in profound and expensive ways, like in Ukraine? Just a little perspective. Uh, we've given Ukraine $113 billion, and last year the country we gave the second most aid to was Ethiopia at $1.13 billion. So we've given exactly ten, or excuse me, 100 times as much money to Ukraine as we have the country who has received the second most aid. That's a lot of money that we've given to Ukraine. So this is, I mean, you're the voter. You decide. Do you think we need to do that in order to keep our status as the number one strongest country around the world? Or do you think spending that much money and getting involved around the world makes us weaker at home and weaker abroad and more susceptible to attack and erosion from within? That's a pretty fundamental, important question that, we got to come down on. And Pence thinks we need to be a leader abroad, and that's how we do it. Because if we don't do it, then someone else will. Okay. Maybe also our failed leadership abroad is pushing Russia into China's arms, making China even stronger. So perhaps our commitment abroad will backfire. It's very tricky. But we got a very, you see right there, I guess you would call that a neocon policy. On our role in foreign affairs, Pence articulated well, and then you have a more populist stance on foreign affairs right now, which Tucker articulated very well. And I, you decide. I don't. I don't think we need to be ancient military scholars to have a position on this. I think we can just look at the wars in our lifetime. Do you trust these leaders? It's the same people. Tucker's highlighted a couple of times. There's people in the Biden administration that were some of the beginning architects of the war in Iraq. Like, this is all in our lifetime. We have these leaders, these military leaders, these think tankers, these establishment in D.C. Do you trust them to fight the next war when you've lived through Iraq and Afghanistan? So even if you want to have this, this Mike Pence foreign policy approach, in this, in this ideal scenario, you can't have it in an ideal scenario. You have to have it based on the, the reality of who's in charge right now in D.C. And I don't just mean the president. It's bigger than even that. But alas, that's issue number one. All right, let's go to Mike Pence and January 6th.
2: Amen. Uh, but I wonder, though, again, about motives since these were, and I'm not excusing any act of violence ever anywhere, including on January 6th. However they were american citizens most of them didn't commit acts of violence and they were really mad and they were mad because they thought the election was unfair right. and i wonder why more time hasn't been spent by either party reassuring americans that our elections are are real that that all votes are counted that the electronic voting machines which no one seemed to trust ten years ago now are infallible why mail-in voting is a good thing like why doesn't anybody try to reassure the public that the mechanics of voting are legit <laughs> And, and are they? Do you think the last election was fair? Well, as I said
1: on January 6th in my communication to the Congress, and I've said many times since, there were irregularities in the 2020 election. There's no question. There were about a half a dozen states that changed the rules of elections in the name of COVID. Yep. Uh, and that undermined public confidence in the outcome of our elections. Now, at the end of the day we brought more than 60 lawsuits states engaged in in recounts Uh, and when states ultimately certified and courts upheld those changes in virtually every instance and ultimately we were able to determine that that the changes there was no evidence that the changes had changed the outcome of the election in any way Uh, i knew that my duty was clear that day but candidly as i've said before um You know, President Trump's words that day were reckless. I believe uh, whatever his intentions in that moment, it endangered me and my family and everyone that was at the Capitol that day. I believe history will hold him accountable for that, just as the law will hold everyone that that engaged in
2: acts of violence. But may I just get – I mean, to the rest of us who weren't there, who were just participating or trying to in, in our democracy. Ten years ago, Democrats said, look, electronic voting machines can never be secure. And of course, that's obviously true. Anything electronic can be subverted. Real countries don't use electronic voting machines. Are you confident that a country with electronic voting machines, ours, can have an election that you're participating in that everyone can trust?
1: Well, I I believe we can, but I welcome the fact that since 2020, Republican-led states around the country have enacted election integrity reforms. I'm somebody that believes that, and Indiana was the first state to do this, I'm somebody that believes that you ought to be required to give a picture ID when you go in to vote. We ought to have voter ID in every state in America. But with regard to voting machines, I would tell you we had them in Indiana, but they in Indiana and elsewhere they produced paper ballots. Recounts were taken in, in, in uh, states around the country. I think it's absolutely essential that we do everything in our power to restore public confidence in the, in the one person, one
2: vote principle at the heart yeah. of this republic. Why not just get rid of electronic voting machines and call it a day and then we don't have to debate it.
0: Of course. So you can't even trust paper ballots. Pence talked about it. Pence talked about having uh, electronic machines that spit out paper ballots. That's not even trustworthy. PBS NewsHour did a like 10-minute piece on Dominion voting machines in Georgia. I'm not kidding. Two weeks before the election, they did a story. PBS did a story on Dominion voting machines in Georgia and how they, are, they cannot be trusted. The results of Dominion voting machines cannot be. This is not me. This is PBS NewsHour and how easily they are to be hacked and how easily they can produce inaccurate results, how the computer screens are inaccurate. Uh, but then also how they can print out a paper ballot and this paper ballot has a QR code. So it's hard to check out, you know, you got a QR code. What are you, you, a human going to do with a QR code? Like to to check your ballot. But then you can scan the QR code as many, you can scan it multiple times and the computer doesn't care. (laughs) This was a PBS news hour report. Now, what I just said sounds ridiculous. You're telling me, Slater, Dominion Voting Machines in Georgia, you can print out your results and then scan the QR code multiple times? That's ridiculous. How come no one's talking about that? That sounds crazy. I'll play it for you. This is October 26th, 2020. PBS NewsHour. Dominion Voting Machines, Georgia. They're setting the stage for if Trump wins for the left to be claiming voter fraud. They would have been the ones complaining about Dominion voting machines.
3: (laughs) But election security experts working for the plaintiffs in the lawsuit against the state have uncovered several troubling issues. Alex Halderman looked closely at the QR codes where the votes are encoded for the scanner.
4: By analyzing the structure of the QR codes, I've been able to learn that um, there's nothing that stops an attacker from just duplicating one. And the duplicate would count the same as the original barcode.
0: PBS NewsHour, October 26, 2020. Two weeks later, after the election, we were told it was the most secure ever. So you can't, Mike Pence, tell me that, oh, well, you have an electronic machine and but it has a paper ballot, a paper trail at the end. No, that doesn't mean anything. And this is a big problem because, and this goes to Tucker's point, no matter which side wins from this point forward, the other side will claim voter fraud. Just like when Trump won in 2016, it was voter fraud with Russian interference. This this is just how it's going to be now forever unless we tighten this up. This is not good for our country, no matter who wins. You know, the, you know this is the kind of distrust of the systems at home that are even worse when you have wasteful adventures abroad that we were just talking about. When you have everything down secure at home, then maybe you can go on trips abroad. But when you're this week at home where we no one trusts the results of elections, that's a huge problem that is exacerbated when we're going on massive military adventures abroad. Pence's principle is that, and this is the constitutional you know, stance as well, that the states shouldn't be in charge of their elections. The states should be in charge of their own individual, individual elections. That's true, and I agree with that. But not even Republicans have done what France does. France has paper ballots, in-person, day of, voter ID. Paper ballots, in-person, day of, voter ID. And then you count them right there. You put them in a glass box. Everyone sticks around afterwards if you want. You can observe and you count them. That's it. All right, enough Mike Pence. Uh, This is Vivek. Let's play this right here.
2: Is it my imagination or are people who weren't raised in traditional religious households who haven't spent a lot of time thinking about theology all of a sudden talking about God a lot. Do you notice that? I
4: do notice that, actually, and I think this is a good sign because there's an old expression, right? If there's a hole the size of God in your heart and God does not fill it, something else will instead. That's what's happened in the last decade in our country. Something else, some secular religion has filled that void. But it hasn't really satisfied our moral hunger. Right? And So that's kind of, that effect is fading, and I think people are hungry to turn back to the real thing. The conversation's coming up, but they say it with a kind of prudishness. Yes. Right? Right? God is a four-letter word. It's sort of a thing you have to tiptoe around. And I think that right now, family's the same way. The nuclear family makes some people uncomfortable when I say it, but actually, this is the best-known form of governance to mankind. And so if we start talking more about, hey, that's what we're running to, That's actually what we stand for. Yes, we are one nation. I'm a citizen of this nation, not some nebulous global citizen somewhere else, that it is one nation under God. Yes, it is a nation that is stronger when we ground ourselves in the unit of the family. Then I notice something happens, especially for younger people across the country, Tucker, is they're more open to that message than they thought, but they need someone to serve it up to
0: them. And I think it's interesting. Uh two things that God-sized hole thing that comes from Blaise Pascal. He's one of the smartest men who's ever lived in in the uh 1600s. Uh the original quote is what else does this craving and this helplessness proclaim but that there was once in man a true happiness of which all that remains now is the empty print and trace. This he then in vain to fill tries in vain to fill with everything around him seeking in things that are not there the help he cannot find in those that are though none can help since this infinite abyss can be filled only with an infinite and immutable object in other words by god himself that's the source of that line if you've heard it before that the god-sized hole in your heart that's Blaise pascal 400 years talking about that uh so great quote love love any reference to that second point vivek is a hindu so Vivek believes in many gods to try and fill that hole. And I only bring that up because the New York Times this weekend, maybe it was the middle last week, had an interesting article about him being a Hindu trying to court Christian voters. And that's a fascinating thing that we've never, we've never had to do before, have never had to talk about. Uh, and he says that many faiths have a lot in common. For instance, his faith teaches him that Jesus was indeed a son of God. But, which sounds good, but that's very different than Jesus being the son of God. Did you catch the, a son of God versus the son of God? Many Hindus make Jesus out to be like a, like a guru, like a, like a mystic guru, really smart guy who was like so smart that he must have some connection with God in some way. But Hindus believe there's at least 33 gods and, and up to millions of gods. So that's that's very different. So there's another primary issue. Does that matter to you? Vivek being a Hindu. Something else we'll we'll have to discuss. It's going to be a busy primary season.
4: Because we let it get there. But one of the things I've been convinced of, I've changed my mind on, is that I don't think we're nearly as divided as we're taught to believe. But I went to the south side of Chicago... It's one of the places, it's not really where the political advisors would tell you to go if you're in a Republican primary. I went to you know, Kensington in downtown, in, in the inner city of Pennsylvania, in, in Philadelphia. And I'll tell you, the people in those rooms, especially in the south side of Chicago, where they're converting South Shore High School into an encampment for migrants who they're spending $7,000 per person per month on, this is the supposedly far left, nearly entirely black, Democratic voting bloc, and I have never heard more eloquent cases for securing the border and actually prioritizing the interests of Americans than I heard in that room. What did they say? They said, what about us? Yeah. It was actually the right way to say that. And, and, and it came out in many ways where, look, we are Christians. We believe in treating these people humanely. But it's not right that they're spending $7,000 a month and getting baby formula when I couldn't find baby formula a year ago. I can't buy sneakers for my kids. They're providing sneakers for those kids. How does that work? How is that advancing my interest? And actually, this you just reminded me of this. <laughs> many of them were asking me as though I was on the side of it of why on earth we're sending billions of dollars to
0: Ukraine. So it was interesting to me. Stop there. So I, I think the, um, it's an interesting question. Are we more divided than ever or not as divided as it seems? That's a really, really interesting question. Are we more divided than ever or are we not as divided as it seems? Whew, I don't know. I keep going back and forth on that one. I, I, because I keep going back and forth. There's gotta be some nuance there that, that I, to make sense of it. I, I I think maybe the politically active of the country are more divided than ever. But you say more than ever. I mean, we were pretty divided in the Civil War, that was, right? So there's nothing new under the sun. This is not unprecedented. But maybe those who aren't as politically involved surprisingly have more conservative principles than it seems. So maybe that's what Vivek is getting at. And and if conservatives can present our argument, here's what I, I think: knee-jerk default for most politically inactive people is the nice position, the nice stance. And the nice thing on the surface, the nice thing to do is to is all the progressive stance, the progressive things. Right, open borders, uh, trans kids, like whatever right It's like the I'm gonna be nice. and that's the knee jerk on the surface. I have to start there, but there maybe politically active people are are if, if you present the right arguments in the right way, albeit a tougher current to swim upstream, then perhaps people actually do have more conservative principles than it seems on the surface. I, I, maybe something like that. But that means conservatives have to be out there making arguments. And it can be very hard to overcome uh, today's modern worldview, and that is uh, the greatest virtue of all is to be Nice. 866-95-PATRIOT. Listen, that's a ton of stuff there. Um, Should I play one more? Eh, what the heck. Let's do one more. Uh, this, And then we'll get to Ron DeSantis. So this is Asa Hutchinson. So Asa Hutchinson, this may be the first you've ever heard of Asa Hutchinson running for president. And it might be the last you ever hear of Asa Hutchinson running for president. So he was the governor of Arkansas until Sarah Huckabee took over uh and tucker comes right at him on a bill in 2021 that he vetoed that would have outlawed trans surgery and puberty blockers on kids that makes sense so the arkansas legislature passed a bill banning all this trans stuff on kids he vetoed that bill and tucker gave an an opening say hey that was 2021 have you had any change of change of heart since then and ace's point was I believe there's two genders, but I also believe that parents know what's best for their own children. And I appreciate the knee-jerk reaction. I appreciate that default of parents knowing what's best. But there has to be a limit to that, right? I don't know. Maybe. I'm asking. There has to be a limit. Because what if parents knows best results in the permanent physical dismemberment and mutilation of children, Like, now we're into child abuse territory, and you can't abuse a child and have the parents say, well, I know what's best. There is a role of the state. There is a role of the government to protect children from abuse, which is what this clearly is. But he framed that veto, and still does today, as siding with parents. I'm like, okay, but parents can be awful. And then he called it hormonal treatment. He's like, oh, well, if parents think hormonal treatment is the best course, and and Tucker's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Treatment? (laughs) Treatment for what? If there's a boy, a 10-year-old boy, who thinks he's a girl giving him estrogen, how is that treatment? How is that treatment to prevent the natural process of puberty? You're preventing the natural process of puberty and you just called it treatment. This is six minutes into the exchange here.
4: These are fundamental principles that parents have to have information they shouldn't be denied the uh, ability to know what's going on in the school with the child and then they make the decision. They can go to the doctor if the child is suicidal, if the child is struggling, uh, they want to, uh, they discuss uh, uh, hormonal treatment that would delay puberty. Uh, I don't think this government should come in and tell the parents you can't give the child a vaccine, or you must give the child a vaccine, or you cannot give them the treatment that you think is important in discussion. But,
2: but with, so, with And, the and I think you're a person of good faith, and I'm not attacking your motives at all. I'm just trying to get to what they are, and I, and I will stop with this. But you have repeatedly described delaying a child's natural progression from childhood to adulthood through adolescence. You've described that as, quote, treatment. And so that raises the, I mean, clearly you've answered the question. You believe it's treatment you believe i suppose that people can change their sex Hmm.
0: and then he goes and he falls back on that parent's decision thing right states shouldn't play a role it's it's a it's a a very interesting libertarian-esque stance but even libertarian has a place for child abuse (laughs) so very interesting it's such an odd stance he must have a close family member with gender dysphoria or something it's it's too weird of a stance. So anyway, let's take a break here. We'll come back with, uh, Ron DeSantis. We can take your phone calls as well, but this is why we have primaries. That's what, right? This is it. And I'm going to do my best to not jump to stances. I did kind of in the (laughs) the first Mike Ben stuff. Um, but I want to understand their stances and where they're coming from. And there's a couple of really good examples here that as Tucker said, people of good faith can have differences on. So Asa Hutchinson, his principle is parents' rights. Okay. He's not as hard-line against the gender madness as perhaps you would like, but his principle is oh, parents' rights. Mike Pence, he's not strongly, it seems, he's not strongly advocating for election integrity laws because states' rights. So we have parents' rights, now states' rights. Uh, Mike Pence, again, in support of Ukraine. His principle is if we don't lead abroad, then someone else will and if we lead abroad then that makes us stronger at home okay like that's that's one stance and you can have that good questions to ask in a republican primary i'm grateful for the process i'm glad we're doing it together and i'm glad it goes through breitbart.com so we're gonna have all these guys on multiple times uh let's end with trump here he was at the turning point action conference
3: when i get back into the oval office i will totally obliterate the deep state they will be obliterated. And we know all the good ones now. You know, when I went there, I'd only been to Washington 17 times in my life, according to the fake news, and 17 times, and never stayed there. So I wasn't a Washington uh, establishment person. But I didn't know the people. I had to rely on people to give me names. And largely, we got great names. You know, we got the tax cut. We did so much, we rebuilt our military. But there are people that I wouldn't have put there. And I will fire all of these corrupt bureaucrats because now, better than maybe anybody else, I know the great ones, I know the smart ones, I know the dumb ones, I know the weak ones, I know the stupid ones, but I know the ones because I know everybody in Washington. I, I, got a, I got a PhD in learning about the people of Washington, and those people that I introduced a little while are at the top of the list too, I will tell you that.
0: Welcome back to the podcast, Breitbart News Daily. So this actors strike, I think the media has done a terrible job of articulating what what's going on. Like, like what do they want? What do the actors want? All I hear is they're on strike. Uh, who? Who? What? Why? Where? What, what, what's, what, what? And why do I care, really? Because I didn't care at first. Now I care a little more. So we talk about that with a member of the union. Here it is. Tommy, how are you, sir?
5: Hey, I'm doing fine, man. Thanks for having me on this morning.
0: It, it's wonderful to talk to you, and, I, and I'm, uh, it's it's fun to think about all the people listening right now who instantly recognize your voice. Like that's a pretty neat neat thing. You can just tell everyone's like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, yeah like, I've heard that. Yeah, cool." All right, um, all right so that I'm glad guy. you're here to talk about the strike because I don't think the media has done a good job of articulating um, what 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 you guys want. And there's also another thing. Like a lot of people don't care, Tom. It so would be my first question. It's one thing if the truckers go on strike, because I don't get any food at the grocery store. Um, and, you know, if the, if the garbage men go on strike, I got a lot of garbage in my front door. Actors go on strike, I got plenty of reruns to watch of stuff. So I'm not immediately yeah. impacted. So why should I care?
5: Well, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, that's that's the thing. We're, we only What's important to us is what's right in front of us. And um, you will start to care because you know, we fall in love with these characters that, that we see on TV because we go to work every day and we work our butts off and we just, we want to come home and just have a little mindless entertainment at sometimes, uh, and, and be and uh, and just be entertained. And so once you've watched those reruns, which you're going to get real tired of here pretty soon, you're going to miss some of those wonderful shows that, uh, uh, that kept you on the edge of your seat when you come home or that just kept you brainless uh, sitting on the couch, eating chips and watching TV. Uh, the other thing is, is hopefully that we all are uh, part of humanity and we care about each other and we go, okay, let's, let's, let's do what's right and, and what's wrong. And, uh, and, you know, hopefully we, we do care about things yeah. and we do care about people And if you watch me on Cheaters, uh, or you, uh, you know, cheaters, people came to me in trouble and I tried to give them them answers, right? Now, most of the people in the U.S., they watched it for what it was. They wanted to see the confrontation. Oh, my God, you know, what are they going to do next? Like they have a knife, a gun, you know, whatever. Uh, Then on my new show, it's not new anymore. I'm going into our fourth season, To the Rescue. People care about these dogs that I'm rescuing around the world, and I, I hear from them. And it's the same with cheaters. Everywhere in the world I go, people are coming up to me wanting to tell me about their their story, right? And and how they were impacted by infidelity, uh, or or now so much they're you know telling me about their wonderful dog stories. And they're usually uh, they're usually peering up about both of those stories.
0: Yeah. Well, I- um, And I believe we have humanity. Yeah, and on that, at at first, it's easy for someone to be like, I don't care about Tom Cruise not making another $100 million or whatever is on (laughs) track. But there's 160,000 union members, and they're not all making Tom Cruise money. Uh, So let let me ask you some of these demands here uh, that the union is making. And correct me where I'm wrong. Uh, Let's start with the most basic, and then we'll get to AI, which is the craziest of them all. Um, Salary minimums. What are we talking about here? What, what what are these minimums currently? Who gets them for what, et cetera?
5: Yeah, so there's there's multiple multiple different levels, and and just real quick, I want to touch on that. You're correct. The people are going, oh, it's millionaires fighting billionaires. I mean, that, that's a catchy phrase, which is complete BS. The fact is, that's one percent of these actors of 160,000 actors out there. That are making really some decent money. The other ones, most of these guys were just journeying them, right? If the, if if you're making sixty to eighty thousand dollars a year, you're doing pretty good in the in the Screen Actors Guild. So so many actors, they're just they just love the work. It's passionate, so that's what they want to do. They want to work, and many of them listen. <laughs> we we would do it for free. Because this is our passion and it's what we love to do. And knock on wood, we can make a living on it. A lot of us, some of us can't. You know, it's just a it's a second job. They have to get a second job to survive. Mm -hmm. So you know, and, and I talk about when I was you know 19, walking the first picket lines, right back in 1980. Money didn't matter that much, and what we were fighting for back then. You know, I was just enjoying if I had a job, right. So. So today, you know, I I look at the young Tommy back then, and I'm going, man, luckily I had somebody fighting for me because those increases um, saved my life. They're the ones that have been able to make me a living for all these years. And so today we're we're just journeymen looking for another raise that we haven't had in years and years and years. And you talk about, you know, you listen to the, uh, the Alliance of Motion Pictures and Television Producers, which I'm a producer. Listen, I get it. I, I play both sides of that fence, but I understand who brought us here. But you look at what they're saying. They're going, look, we gave you the biggest raise you know, in 35 years. Oh, yeah, that just shows us we haven't made money, you know, a decent raise in 35 years. So it's time to, and there's so many different levels of these raises. We're talking about, you know, making a few hundred dollars a day. Is all we're talking about. You know, there's different minimums. There's minimums at 350 bucks a day, and there's, you know, uh, minimums at eight ninety five a day.
0: Um, For what kind but of work? When you think about
5: it, I'm sorry.
0: What kind of work gets you that type of minimum?
5: Yeah, so there's there's just it depends on if it what kind of film it is, the level or a television show. When I go and do a television show, if I'm doing a sitcom. You know, we, I may make. It, and back in in 1980, I'd get paid $3,500 for to do a week on a sitcom, and that's a guest starring role. So you you know you you rehearse Monday through Thursday and take Thursday night, um, and and so you may make $3,500. That hasn't been raised much. It's it's you know it's like around. I'm trying to remember the exact numbers, but it could be like $4,800 to $5,400. Uh, so it hasn't raised a tremendous amount of money um, for the times, and the fact is, if you can get a show a month, you're lucky, you yeah. know, in a guest star role. So, um, you know, we're not talking about a big amount of money here. We're just talking about for the for the everyday actor here. Yeah. You okay. know, we're not getting rich. We're just paying the mortgage.
0: Okay. And the second thing that's interesting is the salary. Excuse me. The uh, residuals from streaming. So everyone I uh, heard the word, uh, not resist, what's the word? Royal, Not ro- what was it when your show goes into syndication? The
5: residuals. Residuals, okay. Yeah, in the second run syndication or Yeah, something. yeah, so what?
0: what is, because I'm always fascinated, like, how much money is, well, Rain Wilson was in the news the other day, right? Because he said he wasn't happy being an actor, he wanted to make millions, whatever. Uh, he wanted to be a movie star, not just a TV star. So it's like, well, geez, man, how much money are you making in these residuals for the rest of your life? And no one ever says, well, how about you? How much you, the cheaters is that still on anywhere how much money are you making off of cheaters
5: okay so cheaters <laughs> zero you know those reruns ran out a long time ago but in in uh uh like I, for instance okay i did a show you know for NBC. i got a, a residual check uh, probably last week for 86 cents and and so these residuals it's not what you're thinking they they trickled they uh they get smaller and smaller, and when you're talking about streaming, you're just getting literally pennies, is how it works. And you talk about for the rest of your life, uh, that's that's pretty recent when we started. And it's not for all shows where you actually you get a residual. So the second time it runs, right, you'll get you'll get the full pay of what you made.
0: Oh, oh, so, so, oh yeah, that's runs, that's interesting. So the so the, you obviously get paid X amount. The first go around obviously so if it airs again you get the same amount again
5: now now only what you get not not your negotiated rate you get the union day rate okay so you're not going to get if you got paid thirty thousand dollars for that episode when it reruns you're not going to get another thirty thousand dollars and it's all a negotiated point but most of the time all you're getting back is that union minimum and so unless it unless you were, you know, Seinfeld and then you had all kinds of different things built in. Okay. But you still didn't get your residual, if you got paid a million an episode, he didn't get a million
0: when it re ran. Okay, what now, about the third time?
5: No, it it dropped significantly down to uh, to half and then a quarter and then by the time it gets to episode fifteen, you're just you know you're you're hardly making anything. It'll go for like once it gets down to twenty five percent, you may get twenty five percent for six three runs, and then it drops down to ten percent, and it just keeps. It's a sliding scale. Mm. So you're that at some point you're ending up getting your eighty six cents. I mean I've yeah. got checks for twelve cents. <laughs> you know it's just stupid. Anyway, why when mail? You,
0: me when, s- when you say twelfth episode, do you mean? episode number 12 or the 12th running of an episode
5: health 12th running of an episode. Got it. Okay.
0: Okay. So, so very just-
5: few people have the big, big kahunas to go and, and yeah. get. you know, the Seinfeld deals where when what Seinfeld did is he was making a million an episode and then he, he struck a deal to make 20% of, of uh, the, when it goes into syndication so when you do a network show, you'll shoot, you know, 13 episodes a year up to 22, 26. It just depends. Mm-hmm. And then um, you have to have over a hundred episodes and then it's called second run syndication. And when it does that, what Seinfeld did, then you start seeing it every day. Right. right? So you're used to this weekly show and then it goes in the second run and then it just, you see it everywhere. Yeah. And they start running them everywhere. I went, what, what Jerry did is he said when it goes into second run syndication, I want twenty percent of that deal. Well it was a two billion dollar deal wow. for hundreds of episodes and he made two hundred million dollars. Now back in the nineties that was a huge deal. Uh, you know, today it's you know, those those numbers are getting bigger but now actually they're shrinking because we have streaming and it's just turned everything upside
0: down. One quick question on the last on the residuals, I want to go to streaming. So Jerry can negotiate that. But what if you're Newman? Like, does, does he yeah, have... It, he's Jerry, more the union no. more guy, right?
5: Yes. That's exactly right.
0: So that's just for now, Jerry. Now, don't wrong.
5: They did so many episodes. He did really, really well. But he didn't do Jerry
0: money. Yeah. And he doesn't have that... He wouldn't have that same deal where I'm going to get... Yeah, the, whatever he said. 20%. He
5: gets, it, he gets zero. Yeah. All is he, he all, gets is... When it he only runs, get a res- he's down to...
0: Yes, yeah, he only get residuals for the episodes he's in, right? That's right. Wow, very interesting. Okay, so how does this change? Instead of Everybody Loves Raymond being on the CW every day, how is this different now that Everybody Loves Raymond is on whatever, Peacock or whatever? How, how does that work with streaming?
5: Well, so streaming is a different deal. It's, it's like the music industry, right? Mm. It just crushed uh, You know, one of my best friends in the world, um, uh, wrote, wrote the song, never my love, never my love. Now when him and his brother wrote never my love in the, in the late sixties, right. And in, in about five years ago, BMI gave him He's the second most played song ever It's played over 10 million times. What? He made 35 cents every time that song ran 35 cents. So, so then, then the, uh, then the, the streaming music happened and it just crushed everything. He, he wasn't making that. He's making, you, it's very hard to calculate. You're just making pennies. Yeah. It's on deals that are, that are made. And then, you know, they calculate once it's, it's, it's played, you know, a hundred thousand times, uh, you know, you, you'll, you'll get some percentage of what an overall check would be like. So, it's really, it's a hard calculation. And, and I still, you know, I can read the kinds contra- of contracts, but it's still hard to understand unless you're an economics major. And then you, you know, we just, all I know are the checks are practically nothing.
0: Yeah. So Spotify, and, I remember it, Spotify, it's very frustrating. Spotify plays artists point zero zero three dollars. So, like fractions of a penny per stream. So, uh, that's that's just not a problem. Right. Um, so, what do you guys want? What's the union want with streaming?
5: So, so we want to be able to actually get a handle on that. And so, you talked about 0.003%, you know, point zero 0003. We're talking about, and they're going, listen, we're giving you this huge raise, and it's like bringing it up to... It's, tripling that yeah, yeah, yeah which you know which still isn't gonna be much and so that's a very very difficult uh piece to understand because actors we yeah can we go we can't really go on tour like bands and make that tour money because that's really one of the only places uh mm. musicians can make money so anymore
0: right. bob Iger says that you tour. have a level of expectation that's just not realistic tommy
5: yeah, let me let me just give you some facts, truly, of what happened. And so the industry, the the Igers, the the motion picture and television guys, actually it's the big studios is is the ones that that laid the big egg, and, and you know some of the cable guys because they're already gobbling up each, each other. But all of a sudden, remember when when uh, we had dial up and And the internet was fresh and new, and everybody was going, "Oh my God, uh you know, I had friends that said, "Oh, we're going to start this new network on on this thing called the internet, and they lost fortunes and I watched them, and it was so sad and if some of the and then the only all of a sudden Netflix, you know there was twenty percent of the country could actually get broadband in like two thousand two two thousand three. And Netflix started doing stuff on, you know, online, and and started making money. And they were the only ones, still the only ones. They're not really making money. Well, they're they're putting money in so many different places, but they're Netflix is they're the only one somewhat making breaking even. Everybody else started thinking, oh, we got to we got to get eyeballs. We got to get into the streaming game. That is the future, and everybody d- dives in it. You got. You know, HBO Max and Discovery Plus and Disney Plus, everybody's doing their streaming network. Mm -hmm. And they're going, we've got to be there. And they're spending billions of dollars. I mean, hundreds of billions of dollars making shows that were fantastic, getting the best writers and the best actors. And they're spending, you know, $15 million an episode. How the hell are you ever going to recover fifteen million dollars an episode? They didn't know. They're going. We're going to just get eyeballs. We're going to make these great shows, yeah. and we're going to spend billions of dollars on marketing to get to get eyeballs. And they're thinking that's how we're going to make it. It didn't happen. Everybody, nobody can figure out how to monetize mm-hmm. streaming. Netflix is you know, still the only ones that figured out. They have the biggest bat, right? So right now, you get it for free half the time from Discovery and HBO. and Everybody's just trying to figure out how to get somebody to watch the streaming platform. And so they've lost billions of dollars, and they're trying to figure out how to, how to recover that. And they're asking everybody else, because of their mistake, to, to cut your prices and, and, uh, and take the hit. Well, we didn't make the mistake, and we hadn't gotten a raise in years. So it's time. Don't don't come after us when you're you know you're trying to uh, uh, figure out a way to make more money. Now, these companies that lost hundreds of billions of dollars, or the industry that have lost billions and billions of dollars, they're recovering. They figured out where that problem was, and. And so many of them, because I'm getting the call, because one of the things that I have kind of found a huge niche in, you know, with cheaters doing reality television and docu-series, that, that you know, they tend to kind of pigeonhole you in this mm-hmm. business. So my phone's been ringing because everybody's going, listen, we're cutting scripted. Yeah. We're going straight to docu-series because we can do it cheaper. Yep. But they want us to to. uh take
0: the hit for mistakes that they made and I got got
5: primarily huh
0: no sorry I got about three minutes I want I want to pivot to one more point if you don't mind I want to get to the artificial intelligence um, because this is fascinating where almost every job short of plumber and HVAC uh, will be replaced with artificial intelligence and you guys are going to be the first to go truly I I believe that Um, what 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 is the union going to do when there is no tom cruise who needs tom cruise we have artificial intelligence tom cruise who's way better and who needs a tommy habib when i can just make up my own that's right, right. so that's right so what do that's you do right. what and do that's you what, do
5: that's what's scary as hell and i will tell you i and i wrote this little article about my feeling is, is fractional credits just like blockchain i think we need to demand and, and because we're talking about copyright, trademark infringement, you know, all of the above here, that, that AI goes out and grabs everything about Tom Cruise, right, his emotions, his feelings, uh, his character, and it brings it back to some other character, right? Mm-hmm. But it goes out there and it puts down markers as it grabs these, these different influences, right? to create these characters. So right now it says, oh, if the, whoever stroked the keys uh, has the copyright. Well, that's wrong. It, it Surely it, it has to, if we put our foot down and said, okay, government, you regulate everything, and okay, um, uh, copyright office, and okay, networks, primarily guys that create the AI code, you can do this you can create, when you when you stroke that key, it has the ability to mark everywhere it goes. And it has the ability to, to tell us at the end of whatever it creates, yes, this is where I got my information. You know, this is who we're gonna reward. Just like as kids, we grow up, all we have to influence is us, is our parents, our mentors, our teachers, and when you see that football player that just won the Super Bowl, hold that thing up, I want to thank mama, or and my dad, and, and God, and I want to thank you know, my coach, it should do the same thing. Fractional credits is the play. It could solve a lot of this. So, now, we're so not going to get rich from
0: it. Yeah, so, if I, so let's say I start a new show, and instead of hiring Tommy Habib, I use an artificial intelligence uh, uh, AI version of, of a, Tom, a, a Tommy Habib-like guy. You're saying you yep. should get a fractional credit on that, and I like that. That's a good idea. Definitely. Uh, that's only gonna. That's that's like a. That's like uh, you're grabbing at the last remains of what exists. Because if you go a little bit further down the road, they don't need inputs of Tommy Habib. They can use inputs of the inputs of the inputs of of a hundred different hosts that they don't really even have to identify. Or, 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 right? Well, they
5: they should. To- they should be able to. But what we're fighting for is that they have to use actors that has to use a percentage of actors. Oh, and, and so we're saying, no, we have to put down some ground rules here. Now we're going to get screwed over in other countries and other places. People are going to, mm. are going to take advantage of AI. Now we're not there yet, but in 20 years we will be.
0: So you're asking First for to no,
5: go, no, no be AI?
0: announcers? To- yeah. Yes. So you're asking for no AI or you can only use uh, 10% AI people?
5: Correct. It'll be. So, they're going to try to put some guardrails down, but I don't know if those guardrails are going to hold. But they're going to sure try. Wow. And uh, we're fighting. We're fighting for our lives, basically, because if you don't need actors, you don't need catering, you don't need makeup, you don't need. If you could just stroke the keys and go, mm-hmm. uh, produce me a movie, write a script, produce yeah. me a movie, uh, um, like Casablanca, you know. Yeah. This actual love story between Bogart and Ingrid Bergman, right? Or A Star is Born. Go go! write me some wonderful yeah. movie like Star is Born using character like Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga, right? With three strokes of the key. And then all of a sudden, it's going to produce the whole damn movie. You don't need anybody. Yeah. You don't need Efe- cameramen. Efficiency. You don't need
0: directors. How about efficiency and re- return on investment, Tommy? The stock market, stock prices will go through the roof
5: through the roof but look what you, you're gonna displace everybody and that that's gonna happen mm-hmm. I promise you it's already written that's what everybody's freaked out about
0: yeah so we're trying so. to
5: put some guardrails down here so you as a talk show host you'll have a job because you could be out of one as well
0: oh hundred percent why would they not put a Rush Limbaugh here instead there's enough inputs of Rush Limbaugh no. to, to do a of Rush Limbaugh course. show Yeah. No, no question. There's no doubt about that. that. It
5: freaks me out and it should freak us all out. It's scary. And so we've got to figure out, we got to figure out there's going to be new ways to make a living, I guess. I don't Mm, know. And maybe, you know, we create our own avatar and we start selling
0: our own avatar. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that's right. No, that's, That's yeah, that's, that's about right. Yeah. Hey, good stuff, Tommy. I appreciate your insight. Uh, Website, Tommy Habib dot com and uh, cheaters is the, the old show. Uh, but the new show is to the rescue. Tommy H A B E E B dot com. Tommy, thanks for your insight, man.
5: Man, I appreciate your time. Thanks for everything, and let's uh, keep our fingers crossed, and uh, that we can get this thing settled.
0: That's right. Very good, Tommy. Appreciate you. Hey, thanks for listening to Breitbart News Daily. I'm grateful for you. The whole show is uh, available on C- Avarius. Avarius was a combination of serious and available. I've never done that before. Of all the words I've combined in my life, I've never combined available and serious into ava- Avarius. Uh, the full show is available on Sirius XM Patriot 125 every morning. So remember and uh, join us over there every day, won't you?